KG, and this is not safe for networks. Welcome to Montucky Skies. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. How's it going, Brandon? Well, I just, uh, our family got in some new technology this week. Oh, yeah. What was it? A continuous glucose monitor. Was it due? So, my daughter has type 1 diabetes, so she has to poke her finger and check her blood sugar like three, four times a day. Well, this thing, you put it on your arm and it like continually checks your blood sugar and so like every hour or so you just scan it with this little device and it tells you what you're at so way easier way easier yeah that sounds nice yeah. i've never even seen one of those things and i had to check people's blood sugar a lot yeah the little device just looks like a regular blood glucose meter except it like it's got this thing built in you just boop Scan your arm. Nice. Oh, let me back up. When I say I had to take people's blood sugar a lot, I was not legally allowed to take people's blood sugar. I had to have them poke themselves and then put it onto a little blood thing, and then I had to read the thing and write it down. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to make sure the machine was working. But I'm still doing my own blood sugars, yeah. pokes. Yeah, you're not that old. Yeah, but I still have to poke my own finger. So, But we, it's only once a day. Yeah. We may or may not have a show next week. I'm not sure, but I know you're not going to be here. So we'll see if I can yeah. scrounge up a guest. But yeah, if not, we can, might be able to do it on a different night. Yeah. But yeah, potentially. But I'll try to get something up. It may not be up on in a timely fashion. But so just, just uh, warning people ahead of time. And we'll start a new segment where me and Carl talk endlessly. <laughs> <laughs> Because we are taking a trip to PodCon 2 in Seattle PodCon this week. PodCon 2. Yeah. <laughs> the Awakening. <laughs> the Awakening, yeah. <laughs> the Listening. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we we have decided that the whole drive down, we're just going to like run the recorder and record it. So I, I think I'm just going to cut it into interesting segments and just... Just so we can have Carl on the show for a while. Just going to have little segments of the, of the conversation. So I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but I'm warning you guys now if it's out of date, that's why. But I doubt we're going to be super timely. I think it's just whatever comes in off the dome. Yeah. So might be some Highlander talk. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> the TV show or the movie? I mean, if it's the TV show, it's probably going to be a hate talk. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the show. <laughs> that was like how hard up we were for shows. It was like, I didn't like the show Highlander, and yet we were so starved for science fiction. I watched it sometimes. Yeah, I understand that. I've actually uh, followed your advice on a couple of shows I've been watching myself. What's up? 
So I would binge watch all the first season of Future Man. Oh, dude. Okay. Um, <laughs> and half the second season. Okay. So I think we're about in the same. I'm, I'm like on four or five. Okay. You're, I'm a little bit past you, but, um, well, let's, okay. Let, let me just set in a, a quick review. Why don't you talk about the first season? We'll just like throw up spoilers for the first season and then I won't really spoil anything for the second season. Just give a broad review, but. Why don't you talk about the first season? You watched the it's, season and a half, so you must have enjoyed it. Oh yeah, I just I like was bored last Friday night, and so I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna give this a shot. And so I clicked it on. Like, I fucking love this. Yeah. Um, and you had talked about it on the show over the summer. Yeah. Um, like I think last winter was when I first brought it up because it dropped around Christmas time, and my mom was here. And Eli, who was on one episode when we talked about Guardians of the Galaxy 2 when it first came out, whenever that was. But uh, so Eli was on the show before, but he brought up like, dude, you need to watch Future Man. You'll love it. And the with sci-fi with Eli, I have to like take with the grain of salt because he will watch everything sci-fi, like <laughs> even shit that's like terrible just because it's sci-fi. <laughs> And so, like, he has, like, this unwavering love of sci-fi. But he had told me enough. He just told me what happened in the opening scene, and that made me laugh. So I was like, okay, I should... If that's in the pilot and that's funny <laughs> enough, I should check it out. And, yeah, like, and it did not disappoint. <laughs> There's so much great stuff. Like... They basically set it up like the last Starfighter. Sort of. It's like that plus Terminator plus like yes, but I mean like always a, like the what I mean is dirtiness like dirtiness of Always Sunny, right? The the pilot episode is essentially steals the idea of the last Starfighter where and they if, even if say if so in the yeah yeah they they reference everything that they're that they're taking from, but essentially uh, they have a video game that's a test to see like from the past like who can help fight these what the the uh probiotics or the biotics the biotics yeah Yeah, because it's the biotechs in the second season (laughs) that they're kind of worried about i don't know but um but the essentially so this kid nobody's ever beaten this game and people have just given up on it and this kid played by josh hutcherson named josh futterman (laughs) which is basically future man right but josh futterman like finally figures out how to beat the game and then he's got a crush on like the female character in it and so he just starts to jerk it as soon as he beat it like watching her and then like that woman and like this other guy who's in the game just suddenly show up while he's masturbating (laughs) (laughs) it's really fucking funny paul shears in a bunch of episodes from uh like he's in a lot of stuff, but uh, probably most notably the league, right? The league. And he's if on you the listen, podcast of how it gets made. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a lot of funny comedians on it, but essentially the the idea is they have to stop this scientist from doing whatever he's doing to create the biotics, which is this race of like <laughs> perfect human beings, but they're awful. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's funny because the end you're like. Are they really so bad? <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs> it's really hard to say. Especially when you realize that like the people he's thrown in with have no problem killing a baby because it's defenseless and it's easy. <laughs> 
And so Josh Futterman basically uses his knowledge of time travel from movies to like try and make sure everything works out and he fucks up everything. And sometimes it's really not his fault. It's just like something happens and it fucks it up. Like, for example, they go back to the like he finds out that the whole arc of the scientist is uh basically he creates this whole thing because he had a, a coal sore that yeah, he got, he's got on herpes the, on the lip. Right. That he got from the night of the moon landing. And so they go back to the night of the moon landing to try and stop him. Like he's basically going to cock block this guy on the night of the moon landing. And uh, not only do you find out that that's apparently not where he got the coal sore. Well, but, it wasn't that timeline, but he changed it. But he ended up like, um, because he cock blocked him, like the guy, it was like really down, so he started like paying for sex, and yeah. <laughs> so he ended up with herpes anyway. <laughs> yeah. And he also, I think it's in that one where he accidentally leaves his cell phone there. Yeah. And so the guy finds it and basically creates Black Apple. I think they call it <laughs> Blapple. Blapple or something. Yeah. Only the old people call it Black Apple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it's it works just like an iPhone, except for like it's a black person's voice like, that's instead of the Siri voice. Right. There's all of this stuff that's going on there. But I don't know. Anyway, the the whole point is he keeps screwing up over and over again when he's going back. And I love that every time something's not quite right in the timeline, they do that sting from the Back to the Future movies where it's like ding ding. <laughs> But uh, so the second season, essentially this one, and I, I, I am, you said you're like four or five in. Yeah. I am, I believe, seven episodes in. And essentially what they do is they have like changed the timeline, but due to various reasons, they're all stuck in this new timeline, which n- two of them aren't really thrilled about. The third one is not thrilled about it, but then grows to love it. In the three days they're there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they have an episode where... um, What's that guy's name? Wolf? Yeah, Wolf. Wolf is the best character, by the way. Oh, by far. Yeah, Wolf in the first season (laughs) is just a cold-blooded killer. And he's good at what he does, right? But, like, he... He at some point learns cooking from Josh Futterman's mom. And his then, father, Ed Bagley oh, Jr. That's right, Ed Bagley Jr. Like winds up loving cooking and then winds up for a big stint in the nineties just becoming like this famous chef where he like kidnaps people and they think they're gonna die, and then he like cre- creates this amazing meal for them. And it's like even better because they thought they were gonna die when they eat it, so he becomes like the hot shit in LA. And uh <laughs> Just gets coked out of his mind. Yeah. <laughs> He's always wearing the karate kid headband. <laughs> Daniel LaRusso fans know what I'm talking about. I love it. What did, what he oh he he pulled a Stevie Nicks as in he coked himself out, he can't taste anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, my favorite thing in that first episode or first season 
is the episode where so their time traveling machine basically runs out of juice and oh so they the, go to james Ca- yeah in the that, future. james cameron has the thing from one of his submarine explorations that he did and so they go to his house and it's like automated by by an artificial intelligence and the thing every time it talks it's like the excellent driver james cameron will be home in 18 minutes and things <laughs> like that like it always has to suck up to james cameron whenever it's talking and then like everything in the house like when when it goes on high alert everything turns to blue which just like i didn't realize that was a thing but i was laughing when i was watching that and then when i rewatched terminator 2 i was like holy shit dude that is a james cameron thing like he cuts to blue a lot (laughs) it's great they just find all these great like sci-fi and just like I'd say in general 80s tropes that they yeah. like bring back if if you know popular culture from the I 80s I really and like 90s. the uh the beach volleyball scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say the first season definitely check out. The second season from where I'm at so far is very different. It's I think it's more sci-fi than it is comedy, yeah. but I still enjoy it. It took me a minute from I just that like whiplash, the, like but, kind of making uh Josh Hutcherson into like a modern Jesus or like a post-apocalyptic oh, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> they have, not really. I mean, not where I'm at so far. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he go. They go to give him a code name. I mean, it's in the commercial, but they're like, how about like everybody's named after like there's one character named Vishnu and all this stuff, and so they're like, let's name you Jesus, and he's like, is that good idea? And they go, all right, then how about Muhammad? And he goes, Jesus sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's great, man. I really recommend that show. But the second season, it's more sci-fi than comedy, but I think it's still pretty good. And granted, I'm only halfway through, so, you know, I haven't gotten to finish it yet. But it's a little slow start, but. I'm really interested to see where they're going with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, the other one I've been starting to watch is actually uh, the first season of the Orville. Oh, yeah? What do you think so far? It's way different and better than I thought it was. Yeah, it's it's basically Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, but with like modern comedy thrown in. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the the when you watch the pilot does not do a good job of like telling you what the show is because when you watch the pilot it's much like the commercials were for it which is it sells it as a comedy. Yeah. And when you watch the pilot it is a comedy and then every episode after the pilot is like an actual thoughtful science fiction story like you would see on Star Trek the Next Generation with a couple of really funny jokes. Yeah. Like a couple of jokes that are always very funny and like some of them that don't really belong in there, but they're still funny, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's an interesting show. I, yeah. I've been meaning to finish that first season. I got like over halfway through and then just got buried by the massive amounts yeah. of shows. Um, you know, it was, I mean, they do some, um, there was one episode where, like, they had a whole, like, gender conversion that they were yeah. doing on a child. Like, it got kind of heavy, like, throughout that episode. Like, 
They were definitely and they were definitely talking about stuff that's going on today. But also, one of the best jokes in there were um, the alien when he's when he's departing. He gives this piece of poetry and he's like, "Wow, that's beautiful." And he goes, "Yes, it's customary for us to to give a line of poetry of one of our great poets." And uh, I th- I think like she she thinks for a second and she goes, "Put a ring or if." What is it? She says some Beyonce quote. I think it was like put a ring on it or something like that. Yeah, in that sort of vein. Like. Yeah. And uh, he goes, that's beautiful. Who is that? And he goes, ah, it was 11 people. <laughs> <laughs> like, I fucking love that, dude. So that's like one of those jokes that doesn't really belong in the episode, but it's pretty fucking funny still. <laughs> like, yeah. It's interesting because Star Trek Discovery really like... Because they came out at the same time. It's impossible not to compare those two. Yeah. And I think Star Trek Discovery was like, okay, we've done all these other things with Star Trek. But Star Trek, every time it comes out, is trying to reflect the time it's in. And, like, it, it grows as a show and does different things. And so you can see the evolution through the various series, whether you like them or not. Like, there's an evolution to them. Whereas, like, the Orville is like, no, I really like old Trek and like Star Trek The Next Generation. So I'm going to make a show that's like that. Yeah, it's almost like if you took The Next Generation and then like elements of South Park and mixed them up. Yeah. Where but they're very talking, light on South Park. But they're, it's the South Park where they're talking about stuff that's going on and bringing issues to light mm-hmm. and having a conversation about it. That's the kind of stuff that is interesting watching. Yeah. Yeah. So, so two good shows to like binge on. Another interesting thing, too, because a lot of people are trying to be like Orville or Discovery. Dude, Jonathan Frakes, man, directed episodes of both. Like Riker himself. So, I mean, I, I don't see why you can't like both. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I haven't really dug into uh, Discovery, but... I mean, that's just because I don't have access to it without being a pirate. You don't have CBS access, all access? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have CBS all access to it. Um, well, speaking of that, so uh, they are doing a spinoff of a character that's on Star Trek Discovery. So you might remember I talked about Discovery quite a bit last year as it was going on. Um they had this ep- a couple a series of episodes that went in the mirror universe and really like the whole the whole season like hinges on stuff that happens in the uh, mirror universe well they are um they're spinning off one of the characters that's from the mirror universe like she was and i i really don't want to spoil things but essentially there's one character who goes from the mirror universe to the the regular star trek universe and they're spinning her off into her own show, kind of like she's basically running a black ops version of the Federation. And so this is going to be exploring that. And it looks really interesting. And it's Michelle Yeoh, like her character. So you saw the pilot, right? Yeah. Of Discovery. So the regular version, not the Mirror Universe version, but the regular version was the captain in that episode. Okay. So, yeah, and she was also in, like, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, she's, dude, she's in, like, tons of shit. 
uh, yeah, often with the sword because <laughs> she's a martial artist. But um, so like they're they're making a whole show around her, and I think that's awesome because she's a really interesting character. It's like clearly going to be a darker Trek, which like they don't do all that often with Star Trek. Like that they, they kind of explored it somewhat with Deep Space Nine, but with this character. They got to be going real dark because it's mirror universe, man. Like the only thing most people know about the mirror universe is like they have goatees, they're evil, <laughs> and they have the triangle pain marks from being prodded all the time. <laughs> so I was going to make a community joke, but go for it. I was going to say, does Winger have one arm in this one? But. You have no idea nope. for context. <laughs> Somebody like that, though, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm yeah. telling you, you really need to get in a community. It's on Hulu. <laughs> I know. I know. All the seasons, including the Hulu or Yahoo season. I know. Like, it's it's one of those things where I'm not even kidding when I say, like, I don't even have time to, like, pick up new shows. I Star Trek is putting out a Picard show. They're doing this new Michelle Yeoh show. They're doing the one with the guy from Rick and Morty and Community and all that shit. Like, he was one of the writers, and he's doing that Below Decks animated Star Trek show. Like, I'm going to want to watch all those shows, and I don't even know how I'm going to find time. Because, like, there's only two shows that are going off the air that I watch. That's, like, Game of Thrones, and that's... uh, um, We're going to have 12 hours of that plus... Yeah, and uh, did you see the trailer? Orange for that, is the by new way? black. I did. It was all footage that they've had on the show before. It's all of them walking down the crypts. So I watched this breakdown of like uh, Mallory Rubin and uh, Jason Concepcion, who write for the Ringer, and they do this podcast called Binge Mode, where they just like watch an insane amount of shows in a small amount of time and just like break down every episode but they do it quickly so like they did the entire run of game of thrones uh leading up to last season they did it in like a month <laughs> like just yeah. every single episode yeah it's like like binge mode it, li- it li- like lives up to its title but um they're like insane fans and they pointed out that every crit like every clip of them you know like walking and crips and all that it's all from previous episodes but they're like they're saying like concentrate on like what they're showing from the clips because this is symbolic of this and this and that. I'm not going to get into to the details, but this is all shit from previous episodes. I did recognize one of them because like we're doing our Game of Thrones run through, like we're we're trying to watch all of them before uh, before the new season starts. And like yeah, it's definitely. It was definitely like stock footage. HBO does that shit, dude. Like when you get new footage for the trailer before the season starts, it's always like fire and ice or something like that. You know what I mean? It's never like actual stuff yeah. from the new season. So, yeah. I mean, they had the the new statues of all the those three. But those, yeah, I don't know. What I'm saying is like there's no there's uh, nothing the, all the, the cri- all the crypt stuff with. Uh, Lady Stark, I can't remember her name. Caitlin. Yeah. That's in one of the later seasons, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jon Snow and going Ned through Stark. the crypt, that was in there. But it, it doesn't matter. Anyway. By the way, if you're wondering, we're like 
four or five episodes into the fourth season. We fucking, we were you like. You might make it. Yeah. Oh, dude, we're making it. Are you kidding me? The season starts in like. April what, 14th. April 14th. Yeah. We got plenty of time, dude. Like we're over halfway there. Yeah. You're making it. You're yeah. Not- and we've watched three seasons in like a week and a half. <laughs> so like we're going to make it. We're fine. <laughs> Like, it just started hitting the point where it's like, that first season is really good. I can't emphasize that enough. It's really good. But when you get in the second season, it starts to really cook. And you're like, you just want to watch one after another. Oh, I remember watching the second season because we, my uh, brother had it on DVD. And we borrowed it. And we just, like, powered through it in, like, two days. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude, we watched the entire second season in two days. And then, like, the third the third season and, like, half the fourth season, like, we've been watching an episode a day, sometimes two. But, yeah, it's like you get to a point you're like, oh, I know the Red Wedding's coming up. Oh, there's a Red Wedding. Oh, I know Joffrey's going to die soon. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> it's just like watching that, that episode with Joffrey again, it's just... It's so fucking pleasing when he dies because, like, I'm sitting there watching it and I'm like, yeah, Ramsey was, like, worse than than Joffrey. Like, I remember, like, being surprised that Ramsey was worse, but I'm not sure he was worse anymore. Like, rewatching with Joffrey, he's so fucking bad <laughs> and so obnoxious. But, like, the actor does a great job with Joffrey. Yeah. Like makes him just a villain for the ages, man. But that episode where he dies, it's so fucking nice when he dies because like he he sets up that whole play like to embarrass Tyrion with all the little people that are doing all the shit. And then like he makes Tyrion like he pours a glass of wine on his head. Like this is his wedding. So Tyrion can't even say anything or do anything. And then like he makes Tyrion like be as his cup bear and then he fucking drops the cup and makes Tyrion go to lean over to, to pick it up and then he kicks it and it just like goes on and on. He's just like, it's so fucking awkward and awful and people keep trying to distract him and he keeps like bringing it back. So when he finally drinks it, you're like, yay. And then you remember like, Oh fuck. They think Tyrion poisoned it. <laughs> oh God. And by the way, now that we know who did poison him, when you watch that, there's little clues. Yeah. Because we know it was... uh, Lady uh, um, Terrell. Terrell, yeah. Like, we know she was in charge of that. And when you watch it, she kind of gives this knowing look of what's about to happen. Like... This little fucker's getting what's coming to him. Yeah, a little bit of that. And then, like, really not being shocked when he's dying. And then immediately after telling her granddaughter, like, basically, you dodged a bullet by... By not being with him, the next one will be more malleable. <laughs> you feel what I mean? So it's like when you watch it, knowing that she's the one, it's like, oh, yeah, dude, they planted all of this. They planted it all in the show. Like, it's right there. It's just like, but you don't know because he's so fucking terrible. There's so many people that could have done it, you know? Yeah. The only person I was sure that didn't do it was Tyrion because that's not Tyrion's style. No, he'll... St- I mean, he'll, he'll kill, kill you with, with a crossbow, crossbow on the toilet. Right. <laughs> Another one I was like, really, really, has been really fun to watch too is uh, Tywin. Because I fucking hated Tywin so much when I watched it before. But I'm going to rewatch it. Like, watching his introduction, like, he's a dick to, to Tyrion a little bit. And then he just immediately, they have 
that whole setup through most of, I believe the second season where he's talking with, um, Oh, what's her name? Um, uh, the little assassin, uh, Oh, Aria. Aria. Yeah. And like, he has these like really nice moments with her where like, it's actually like, he seems like a human being, you know? And that's, what's really been coming across to me. in that shows when you watch it, there's only one character who never comes across as a human being. And that's Joffrey because he has to be the worst of the worst. You know what I mean? Like that kid is a psychopath. Yeah. And I think they even call him a psychopath at some point in the show. But like he is, he is absolutely awful, but everybody else in the show has these little moments where it's like, where they show them as like a human being. And it's like, everybody's a hero in their own story. Yeah, but they do a good job of that. Like, it's seriously, they're really good at like taking time to like show sympathetic moments for her from time to time. And then she does something so awful. It's easy to forget that those moments exist, you know? Um, yeah, God, that, that show is good. I can't fucking wait. Oh, I can't wait, dude. We got 12 more hours of Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I am excited. Um, well, let's go backwards. So, you see the trailer for Ghostbusters 3? The little teaser by uh, Jason Reitman? Yeah. So, Jason Reitman is Ivan Reitman's son. Ivan Reitman, Who famous director, did Stripes and, of course, Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. Did this trailer where, like, they essentially show kind of like an... I don't know, maybe like a farmland, like landscape. a farmhouse, and it's like, like really farm. dark and like foreboding. But they're doing, they're doing music where it's. I'm trying to think of what scene it is. I think it's it's when the like library the, scene. Is that is that where the music's from? Because yeah. when I was watching it, I was thinking because uh, I was uh, like, actually read a breakdown. Like okay, and it's from that library scene. I I wonder if they reuse the music when uh, when Dana's talking with um, Vankman. When she's possessed, yeah, it maybe. Also, I, I almost. I mean, they, they use, use a lot. I mean, they use the same tone, but they change it up slightly throughout the show. So, yeah, fair enough. Anyway, um, but yeah, so so they basically do a close in into like a, I guess like a barn, and then you see Ecto One. There's his there Ecto One's like unused. starting to rust up, and but like. Covered with a like an oil cloth, mm-hmm. and you see it like flip up, and you see the Ecto One license plate in the back, the back door, and then like the the camera, like it's only like a thirty second teaser or less. Um, and it's fifty seven seconds. Is it really that yeah, long? Yeah, but it's just a very slow pan up or like, yeah. Kind of like a dolly shot into the, the yeah. Into so the there's, there's nothing in this trailer. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like just but you see long. like these flashes that look like uh, the protoplasm flashes. Like if you saw like a reflection of them, is how I would describe it. So I mean, we get nothing. Um, so I mean, there wasn't a lot in that trailer, but it was confirmed. Uh, late last night, um, the three surviving members, Ernie Hudson, Bill Murray, and Dan Aykroyd, are going to be in 
Interesting. I haven't read that 3. yet. So they, Bill Murray for sure is going to be in it because they haven't filmed it yet. So, like, I don't doubt Ernie Hudson and Dan Aykroyd. the The Bill Murray thing surprises me because he's always the hard one to get to go along with. Yeah, stu- just stuff in general. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, Bill Murray is going to a couple of wells. Like, he just uh, officially they officially announced he's doing a movie, another movie with uh, Sofia Coppola. Oh, really? Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I did read that, actually. Um, yeah. What do we think about this? We waited for Ghostbusters 3 for a long time, and then at some point, it just seemed like it was never going to happen, then it would be a bad idea if it happened. And then we got the reboot, which we liked, but nobody else did, it seemed like. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do we think about this? You know, we really I, know almost nothing except for I uh Jason Reitman has said that he is not the guy to direct Ghostbusters and always laughed about it. And then he got an idea and really liked the idea, and it's gonna be a sequel to Ghostbusters 2. Like all the events that happened in the first two are gonna happen. So it's not any kind of reboot. So I was reading there is some slight synopsis that's been confirmed out on the internet um the uh i mean the main three are not i mean it sounds like they're just gonna be in part of it or um the main focus of the movie is actually two like teeny teenager slash 20 something kids that are really into paranormal stuff and that's about all we know so far <coughs> okay I, you said there's a synopsis out i'm gonna look this up it's not really a synopsis but like kind of just a main synopsis is way too like i think a synopsis is like a beat for beat okay this is just like a general override overarching idea is it's gonna be these two like boy and girl teenager-ish. Okay. So here's the wiki entry. So, um, Ghostbusters 3 was the unofficial title of the proposed third Ghostbusters movie. I went through several revisions and writing teams over a period of 25 years. It was not greenlit, greenlit, and instead a new Ghostbusters... Oh, wait. Oh, dude. This is not... God damn it. Do you want to hear about uh, development for a Ghostbusters 3 that's not happening? <laughs> so Ghostbusters 3 Hellbent. In 2008, a script was written by Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stupensky, who wrote Year One, a comedy that was directed by Harold Ramis. Dan Aykroyd said the script is commenced early summer in June, hoped to be in production by late fall 2009. For the second draft, Dan Aykroyd completely rewrote the script and included the part he wrote for Bill Murray. The screenplay was very Bill Murray-centric, but Ivan Reitman recalled during a conversation with Murray during a Toronto film festival that Murray was into small roles and was no longer interested in leading roles. Around 2009-2010, Rick Moranis was approached by an associate of Aykroyd and asked if he would work on a third movie. In total, Ivan Reitman, Dan Aykroyd, and Harold Ramis helped them write the script. There were three complete drafts written over a period of four to five years. Uh, 
in June 19th, 2009, Harold Ramis confirmed the movie is not in production and there's no clue who's going to play the new Ghostbusters. However, he confirmed that all four actors played the original Ghostbusters have agreed to be a part of the new project. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Ghostbusters, the video game, was supposed to touch on the new movie. Um, I don't know. This is this is not at all <laughs> what's going on now. Looks like they were still working. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks like it just eventually became the the reboot. <sighs> hmm. Damn, I'm trying to find the article. I. Oh, wait. In 2017, during a Ghostbusters 101 panel, Ivan Reitman reaffirmed there is a new live-action film in the works. Reitman also mentioned they explored the idea of having a ghost character as a Ghostbuster. When asked if CG could be used to recreate a character like what was done in Rogue One, a Star Wars story with the original case, Reitman revealed it's something they're thinking about. Dan Aykroyd commented on April 27, 2018, that Ghost Corpse had three hot ideas for movies. November 13, 2018, during an interview with the big interview with Dan Rather, Dan Aykroyd mentioned a new movie was currently being written that would reunite himself, Bill Murray, and Ernie Hudson and involve Murray portraying a ghost. He hinted a filmmaker duo is writing the draft, and the goal is to take the emotion and spirit of the first two movies and modernize it for 21st century audiences. He estimated it could happen in a few years. Uh... Little of the plot is known. What is known is that it will include old and new Ghostbusters. Numerous Ghostbusters cadets would be involved. Yeah, it's it sounds like they're going to do what they were originally trying to do, which was like have the the old Ghostbusters pass the torch to new ones. Which makes sense. Yeah. I keep hearing this thing about like it could be their kids. And I'm like, does it have to be their kids? I got I you know it doesn't have to and I hope it's not. Like that's, I don't mind if there's one. Like if you put Oscar in there, fine. Oscar, fine. Cuz he's like, canon. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, especially if they're trying to like go off of what happened in Ghostbusters 2, like I get that. But like it does not have to be those kids. Like I mean, they just like hired Ernie Hudson off the street like or his <laughs> yeah. character you know oh god what if they have Ernie Hudson in it but he doesn't show up until like ha- the movie's halfway done <laughs> <sighs> they better not they probably god will damn it. <laughs> I, I mean they did the they same to Leslie, Leslie Jones. Jones yeah they did the same <laughs> shit to her oh it's awful Anyway, I'm not sure if I'm looking forward to this or not at this point, but if Bill Murray's attached, I'll at least enjoy his thing. I think he wasn't super great in the reboot because he was just playing the guy who was like trying to show that the Ghostbusters were a fraud, right? Right. And then winds up dying. But I enjoyed the, I mean, I enjoyed Answer the Call. And I know. I did too. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the rest of my family enjoyed it. Part of me is wondering if I've just, like, hit the nostalgia tipping point now. Where I'm just like, I don't even want nostalgic things anymore. (laughs) 
if it's good, then I'm for it. But dude, this movie should have happened like in the nineties. You know what I mean? Well, shit, Ghostbusters two came out in eighty nine. So yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. This movie should have happened in the nineties. It's so fucking late for a Ghostbusters three, and it won't happen till twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Moving on, so something else they're trying to rehash. Coming to America 2. It's going to be made... I just rolled my eyes for the people that just can't see what... So this is another one that was in development hell for a while, but like it got greenlit now, so it's almost definitely happening. It's being made with director Craig Brewer, uh, who just did a new Dolomite movie. I don't know if you're familiar with Dolomite, but it's like... Like the Blaxploitation? Yes. So apparently they made a Dolomite movie with this guy directing, and Eddie Murphy is in it somewhere. I have no idea what he's doing. But uh, so this guy, Craig Brewer, who's directing that, is going to be directing Coming to America 2, and Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, James Earl Jones, Sherry Headley, and John Amos are reprising roles. So we know who Eddie Murphy is. That's like four characters, right? <laughs> At least. Arsenio Hall is like three characters. <laughs> James Earl Jones is like his dad, right? Yeah. John Amos, I believe, was He uh, was the owner the of McDougal's dad. Yeah, McDowell's. McDowell's. Yeah. Right. They have the Big Mac. We have the Big Mick. <laughs> <laughs> and Sherry Headley, I'm guessing that was his bride. Must be. The McDowell's daughter. Yeah. It's either that or the younger sister. (laughs) (laughs) That would be interesting. That was my original thought, but then I was like, no, it's got to be the bride, right? But here's here's my thing. A, I don't think Eddie Murphy's funny anymore. Well, yeah, he's not been funny for a while. And I don't think, like, I haven't seen any evidence he's been funny for a while. The only thing I can say that has been sort of funny that I laughed with Eddie Murphy was when he was with the uh, the 40th anniversary of SNL. What? He didn't do anything funny in that. I thought it was... Dude, okay. That's interesting you brought that up because I was... Before I read this news, I was just talking with Eli about that because it was one of the most awkward things I've ever seen. Let me you walk you through right. that You're right. You're right. Yeah. Th- let's talk about this, though, because that's really interesting. So, Eddie Murphy was pissed off at Saturday Night Live because when he... he he kept, like he became famous on SNL during the years that um, Lorne Michaels was not producing. Like Correct. there was like I think three seasons three he wasn't seasons. producing. Yeah. After the first one, they were gonna cancel the show. Like they just didn't have anything to put in its place, and so they were looking at other options. And then suddenly Eddie Murphy blew it blew it up, or like blew up and just fucking everybody was watching the show for Eddie Murphy, and so he like kept the show afloat until Lorne Michaels came back to the show. So, like, Eddie Murphy is really like, Saturday Night Live owes a debt to me, which they did, you know. So, they did, the only other big anniversary they did was the 15th anniversary. They didn't invite Eddie Murphy because, like, Lorne Michaels was only inviting people that were Lorne Michaels people, you know. And so, Eddie Murphy looked at that as a slight then then David Spade. Yes. So David Spade was doing his Hollywood minute where he makes fun of people. 
like would make fun of celebrities and they showed this picture of eddie murphy and this is great dude they show a picture of eddie murphy and he goes oh look a falling star <laughs> and apparently eddie murphy like like david spade went back to his dressing room and so he's like you got a phone call from eddie murphy he's like really and he like picked up the phone like excited and eddie murphy was just fucking swearing him out and was so mad at him <laughs> and then so like He's just like basically fucked Saturday Night Live for years and wouldn't talk about him. Like, and when he did talk about him, it was always very cold. And so for the 40th anniversary, Lauren Michaels invited Eddie Murphy back. Now, they wanted to make Eddie Murphy happy because like Lauren Michaels said, like, I realized we really did owe a debt to him. I should have had him on the 15th anniversary. So they had Chris Rock introduce him. And it was like everybody was like, what's Eddie Murphy going to do? Like leading into that 40th anniversary show, that was the biggest thing I heard was like, wow, it's interesting because there's this whole thing with Eddie Murphy and they're giving him a couple of minutes and nobody knows what he's going to do. Like, what's he going to do? Like, everybody's excited. And then like Chris Rock goes to introduce him and spends like two and a half minutes basically just sucking his dick for like two and a half minutes talking about how like... Saturday Night Live was saved by Eddie Murphy and how he inspired every, not just black comedian, but every comedian that came up in the eighties and just on and on and on. And just like how he owed his career and all the, like, if you love this show, then like you owe a debt to Eddie Murphy just goes on this whole thing. And Eddie Murphy's like, ha, ah, ah, that was nice. And he just keeps doing this thing where he's like putting his hands together and it's just like, yeah, let's give it up for whatever. And then like, that's it. That's all he did. Nobody knew what he was going to do. He didn't do anything. And he just seemed really like nervous. I'm just here to get paid. Weird. What's that? I'm just here to get paid. Yeah. Dude, it wasn't even that. He just looked like he didn't know what the fuck to do. He looked like a deer in headlights to me. Um, yeah. I totally like, because I enjoyed so much of that show that I like thought I enjoyed it. But now that you like. Go beat by beat. I'm like, yeah, that was awful. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of glad it happened because it was the most interesting thing to talk about during that. But, um, and so it was such a missed opportunity because there was two ways he could, that he should have approached it, which one way was just being like making fun of the show and just be making a very uncomfortable fuck you to the show. That would have been one approach to do it, but it would have been very memorable. The other is to just fucking kill it, right? Just like yeah. do a stand up set or like something and just fucking kill it and show people you still have chops. But he did none of those things. He did the worst possible thing he could have done, which was just basically nothing, nothing. dude. He floundered. Like, oh, the only other moment that was terrible from that show that I remember was like Dan Aykroyd recreating that Bassomatic sketch. Yeah, that was weird. It was never a super funny sketch to me. It wasn't like I remember watching it when I was younger and it was like, okay, it's yeah, it's a blender you put bass in that's cool it's gross (laughs) and i remember that being like not funny when i was a kid to me but it wasn't just that i never appreciated the sketch it was like i'm very aware of the sketch because i re-ran it all the time and like greatest of oh yeah but like watching dan Aykroyd do it again but being older and fatter and slower it was really sad to me. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was really, really sad. And so, like, that was the other one where I was just like, ugh, 
Dan Aykroyd's really lost it, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. What were we fucking talking about? Coming to America 2? Coming to America 2. Okay. So, the first thing is, like, I don't think Eddie Murphy's funny anymore. I'd agree with that. Second thing is, what is this going to be about? Because the first one is about this guy it's, who's looking yeah, for a bride. Yeah, basically kind of, like, ended it with a happy ever after ending. And then it's like... Did we? Is was there anything like unanswered from the first movie? It's not even that. It's it's like the first one is he's pretending to be poor. The joke is that he's rich, but everybody assumes that he's this poor guy, right? And all the comedy is like kind of economic comedy in a way, other than yeah. the racist comedy where he's like playing a Jewish guy and all that. But like so much of it is from that. Is that what they're going to do again for this movie? Because how does that even remotely work? And Like, he's already got a wife. Why would he go and do that again? Yeah, I just don't... I don't get it. And if they're not doing that, like, do we really want to... I don't know. It's weird, dude. They're trying to get Samir a wife? Yeah, it's not... To me, it's not a movie that needs a sequel. No. Or should have a sequel. Even if it, this was like two years after it came out. I don't think that like they left anything for a sequel. No. Not at all. Like, and then the third thing is like, should we really reward Eddie Murphy for playing multiple parts anymore? I like, mean, he burned that bridge with Norbit. Like, he br- I, I he mean, burned he, that bridge with the nutty professor, dude. It was but no, I'd be like Norbit, Norbit. Norbit he was salting him. the earth, dude. It's <laughs> what it was. What it was salted the earth. That's yeah. Weird. Because like the thing is, is like he was fucking brilliant in coming to America doing the multiple roles, and it was like, oh wow, that's really cool. And then, like the Nutty Professor, a lot of people were like, that's super cool. But I remember being like, it's, a lot of those characters are pretty fucking annoying. Honestly, yeah. And then the Nutty Professor too, like Ugh. was even worse. And Norbit, yeah. Bowfinger was fine. But the script called for two characters. You know what I mean? But it was like him you playing his brother. Do, it wasn't like it wasn't really two characters. I mean it was it was, but, but it wasn't. But the thing is, is the script had to have an actor play two parts. Yeah. Even if it wasn't Eddie Murphy, if you put somebody else into that, it was necessary to have somebody playing two parts. Because right. the whole idea is that like you get this guy who's a brother of a really famous person who's impersonating him, right? So, like, Bowfinger is fine. Uh, also an Ivan Reitman movie, I think, if, if I remember right. I don't remember. Yeah, anyway. Um, so that, that fucking works for that. But, like, I don't think we should reward him for playing multiple characters. And if, if he's doing Coming to America 2, he's playing multiple characters. Oh, God, definitely. There's no getting around that. And when's the last time you enjoyed hearing Arsenio Hall saying anything? I mean, I'm going to go uh, coming to America. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, his show was all right. Sure. Sure, but he was never funny on a show. He was just, like, really good at teeing up guests for them to, like, knock it out of the park, you know? He'd be like, and I'm going to bring up my best friend, no, I'm just doing it from coming to America now, aren't I? <laughs> I was going to say Magic Johnson because he always loved to brag about being friends with Magic Johnson. But I'm basically doing like, yeah, get off the island. <laughs> That's from coming to America, right? Yeah. 
I mean, Coming to America is a fucking. It, it is. It is a it great is classic movie. Like it's I enjoy. Still it. Hilarious. I mean, I Don't watched watch it, it probably, with your kids. I watched it probably a year ago. Was the latest viewing, and I still fucking rolled. Yeah, it's it's got the expanded universe. It's the Trading Places expanded universe. I mean, our. Uh, Jack Lemon and the other guy still alive? I don't think so. Don Amici? Don Amici? No, I don't think so. But like, <laughs> yeah, I guess we're just maybe maybe that's the idea. Maybe that's the end game. Is like, all right, look, they're trying to get. It's their all money. about these expanded universe. We got like trading places and like coming to America. So we'll do coming to America too, and then like we'll have Eddie Murphy play some characters from the <laughs> Nutty Professor, and then that'll backdoor those ones in, and then like we'll do another Nutty Professor's movie, but we'll tie in Norbit, and so then we'll do like a Nutty Professor's meets Norbit. At, like, and then episode. they go to Pluto and, and <laughs> right, Pluto, and Pluto Natch. They're just gonna <laughs> tie in all of his characters. And then they need to go to Nepal. And then he fucking meets like I don't know the guy's the name, child. but the golden child, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely not watching that crap. No. Um there was an article I read because there's been a lot of shit going out about uh R. Kelly lately. Uh-huh. And He's actually, I think he's under indictment for uh, diddling kids. Ugh. Um, Good, but Jesus. Yeah, fuck. Um, but I read an article today. It was talking about the uh, the R. Kelly skit they did on uh, the Chappelle, Chappelle show. Chappelle show, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna pee on you. I'm gonna piss on you. <laughs> Uh, R. Kelly was pissed. Livid. Oh, have you heard? I'm just going to go pissed. Like, (laughs) pun intended there. Yeah, fair enough. Um, So much that he actually got a group of guys together to go beat the shit out of Dave Chappelle. Yeah, dude. Did you hear Dave Chappelle's encounter with him? Did you ever hear about that? Because Dave Chappelle talks about it on the commentary for that sketch. So I, I have the DVD comments or like the DVDs for Chappelle show. Yeah. And uh, I, like he talks about it and like he ran into R. Kelly at the Grammys and he was like, it is the most awkward thing ever because like you forget celebrities or people sometimes. And then like he was clearly not okay with the kids. <laughs> and, and he was just like, how are you going to do a sketch about pissing on people and i was like how are you gonna piss on people <laughs> why you gonna piss on people why are you making a video about pissing on people yeah <sighs> that's crazy dude no he like got a bunch of his fucking goons together to go beat up on dave chappelle but dave chappelle's bodyguards like got in got in between him so like I don't think there was any actual scrap between any of them, but like it got real heated. Yeah. I always thought that or R. Kelly was a fucking douche. Like, honestly, uh, as oh, soon as that video came out, I never, let me be clear, I never saw the video, but like I, I heard about it and that was enough. Like, it was very clearly real. And then you start to hear all this other stuff about him marrying like 
uh, what's her face when she was a minor, like doing an illegal marriage with her and basically being controlling of her and so and it's just like, all right, this guy's a fucking douche. And so it was like, I remember when that coming out of the closet, uh, trapped in the closet or trapped in the closet song came out and like all these people were just like, Oh, R Kelly is such a master. Like he's back. I'm like, dude, he's a fucking shitty human being. Like I don't even care if it's good. Like he's just a shitty human being. It was the same way I felt about Michael Jackson. Like, honestly, there was a certain point where it was like, I'd heard enough and I was like, I'm fucking done with Michael Jackson, which was how most people were. And then it took him dying before everybody could listen to Michael Jackson again. And now we've like reached that comfortable thing where it's like, if you make great art, it'll live on. But like, if people talk about Michael Jackson, it's still there in your back pocket. Like, you don't fucking forget that, like, dude was probably a pedophile. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same with R. Kelly, dude. He's a Yeah, he's definitely a legit pedophile. Yeah. So it's like, he's a fucking douche. Don't support his work. It's really simple. It's okay to like his music. Don't fucking pony up for it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, why are we getting an R. Kelly rant? Because uh, you brought up Chris Rock, and I tore, sort of like lumped in. <laughs> Just went way backwards. Dave Chappelle and. Yeah. Okay. Black comedians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Um. So something else that's being reworked right now. So the writers of Iron Man, Art Markham and Matt Holloway, are rewriting a Masters of the Universe script. So like the fact that they're working on this, they're the guys for this company where essentially they bring them on to shit to fix it at the end so that they can go. So it's looking like we're going to get a Masters of the Universe movie. So we're probably going to get another He-Man movie. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I don't, I gotta be honest, dude. I think it's kind of fertile ground. Like, not even joking. I think there's a lot you can do with that as long as you tell a good movie, not like a Dolph Lundgren esque movie, but like an actual good movie. And you just don't be too beholden to the source material, but get the general feeling of it. I think it could be a good movie because it's basically, it's basically a, a different version of the Conan story, essentially. Yeah. So it's like, this could totally work because for whatever reason, Conan hasn't worked for a while. You know? Um, I think there's a way to make that work. And so just sort of keep that in mind with Masters of the Universe. Like, Skeletor is inherently cool looking. He's inherent like... And I enjoy, like, all the meme shit I've seen, like, the last couple of years with Skeletor. With Skeletor? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's the best, dude. And, like, I don't know. Like, there's a way to do it. But I was reading something that was like, oh, we need to get John Cena. Do we? Do we? It's nothing against John Cena. Cena, he's, like, great in blockers. But, like, don't we need to find somebody who's, like, a good actor to like cover this if you want it to actually work like you want somebody who's like built but also can act i feel like like that's why schwarzenegger worked in conan because he was super fucking built but he's also like a good actor he was really good at what he did i mean he's never (laughs) gonna win an oscar but he was good at what he did you know what i mean yeah so if you're gonna look at people Dude, you know who I think would be a fucking shoe in for this? Like, if you if you really want, 
Yeah, if you really want to sell tickets and like get something, fucking Chris Hemsworth, dude. Guy's fucking stacked, built, has a good sense of humor, and can act. He's he shown can be, he can act. He could be fun. Like, I could get behind that movie. Yeah. Like, it's, it doesn't have to be Chris Hemsworth, but think more in that direction. Like, people. It's got to be somebody who's got some decent comedic props band. Not just. I mean, He Man's not a, like a humorous character, but somebody. I mean, that's I one, think that's you part. Have to that's do part a bit of humor. That's part of why Aquaman did so well, is because it did had a humorous element yeah. into it. Yeah, it just reached a bill worldwide. Yeah, way to go, DC! They finally hit it. Nobody would have thought it would have been Aquaman. Aquaman, dude, and they fucking deserve it, man. It's a fun movie. They finally learned their lesson. They made a fun fucking movie. Yeah, and I think that if you take anything away from that, if they're trying to like build a movie, just an action movie based on nostalgia, like. Build something into it, like, with some subtle humor in. I mean, because I think Jason Momoa really enjoyed filming, like, yeah, Aquaman. He enjoyed it. Like, and I think all of the versions that we've seen of him on the screen, like, in uh, Justice League, like, he enjoyed being there. Like, he wanted to be there. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, don't get too wrapped up in, like, this guy's got to be super muscular and huge. No, dude, just make him stronger than a normal person. Like, does he look good with this shirt off? That's all you need. By that by that token, I'm not saying go with Chris Evans, but, like, like a Chris Evans build is enough. <laughs> Did you like, ever see this skit a- with uh, uh, Chris Pratt? As He-Man on SNL? No. No, oh, I don't think fuck, I did. Oh, fuck. It's hilarious. What happens? Like, this uh, kid makes a wish. Like, nobody shows up to his birthday party and, like, wishes his toys had come to life. So, like, Chris Pratt plays He-Man. And he's, like, just comes to life. He's, like, doesn't know what to do with himself. And, like, uh, A.D. Bryant plays the kid's mom. And he's just, like... He's like just like destroying the entire kitchen and and then like he like bumps his dick against the chair. He's like, Oh, that feels good. <laughs> and he like keeps like <laughs> touching himself. <laughs> wow. It's great. Great inappropriate story, Brandon. <laughs> Okay, Spider-Man: Homecoming. We've we've danced. far from home, but yeah, we've gone too far from home. We need to, to go back. So they dropped the trailer for Spider-Man: Far From Home. Um, first thing that really occurred to me is like Spider-Man: Nick Fury. A lot of the guys are supposed to be ashes right now, right? <laughs> I like pretending like we don't know that they're gonna come back sometimes. Because people yeah. keep mentioning it as if like, oh, this is evidence. This, of course, is evident. Like, we knew this was never going to happen. Like, yeah, they're not going to drop billions of dollars in IP just because of what happened in one storyline. Yeah, and one half of a movie. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, they film those two back to back, essentially. But, uh, yeah, so Nick Fury, I fucking love that Nick Fury is a huge part of Captain Marvel and Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, we're getting like. more Nick Fury. Oh, it's so great, dude. We had that, like... I mean, we haven't Cold seen Nick Fury for much for a while. Dude, Samuel Jackson was not happy about it. He was kind of bitching about it when he wasn't in Civil War. Like, he was pissed that he wasn't in that, which was understandable. Yeah. But uh, then they brought him in for that teaser for Infinity War at the end. And then they, you know, clearly made, like... I mean, it turned him to Ash. Well, there's three characters that are Ash. Yeah. And then they, they let him know, like, oh, dude, you're going to be a huge part of Captain Marvel. I think that made Samuel L. Jackson happy again. He loves being in this shit. Like, he loves it, man. He likes... I mean, that man likes to work. Yeah. Yeah. Works 51 weeks a year. Takes... Or no, 50 weeks a year takes two weeks of vacation every year. That's it. Like, man, he works just, hard. Just keep like, working. Yeah. And he's fucking great. He's great in everything he's in. I've never like watched a movie and been like, yeah, Samuel Jackson really sucked in that. He's great. It doesn't matter if he's doing a Samuel thing or like something like if he's being a good actor or if he's just screaming a lot, like he's always great in it. Like every (laughs) single time. I love it. Interesting beard slash hair choices often. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. I remember watching Formula 51. I don't know if you ever Oh, it's terrible. That. Yeah, but he is so goddamn charming in that movie. I'm just going to throw out a name here. Uh, a roommate of my friend Colin Corbett, Johnny Davis, was really... He, that was his favorite movie and kept talking about how great it was. And so I was really excited to watch it because it was a Samuel L. Jackson movie. It's terrible. Samuel L. Jackson is great in it, but it's a fucking terrible movie. You know, like... But Samuel Jackson always fucking delivers in everything he's in. So, um, so I like that they got the return of that. We got a quick, quick like flash of that stealth suit we kept hearing about. Eh, yeah, looks fine. <laughs> I'm sure it'll sell toys. <laughs> it's kind of the object, right? It's like get a new Spider-Man suit every time so you can sell brand new toys. Yeah, for the completists, for the adults who don't. Always buy toys. Um, I want to talk about the villains. Okay. So we got what Hydro Man? Well, Mysterio, who they're they're setting up as a friend of Spider Man. I think they've said like he's helping him out. Nick Fury is like introducing him. So I think we can agree Mysterio's probably behind all of this, right? Uh yeah. Like you put so. the fishbowl head on, you're up to no good. <laughs> I, I think he's like doing something with the elementals to to uh I don't know, to, to do whatever nefarious thing that he's gonna do. But yeah, we've got Hydro Man, we've got Sandman, and I don't remember the other two because those two are the ones that were over and over again in Spider Man books. I don't remember who the other two were, but yeah, probably wind and fire somehow. <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> um, I somebody pointed out, and I read uh, Easter egg in the Spider Man trailer was um, one of the boats they were on in Venice had the. The number from the uh, the number of the comic from the first issue with Hydro Man. Okay, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, I I had it pointed out to me that Peter's suitcase 
has BFP on it, which is Ben Parker's initials, like his his uncle. His ben. uncle Ben. Yeah. Uh, somebody else pointed out that they show a quick, quick thing of his ID. And when people went to zoom it in, because they had like a 4K trailer, when people went to zoom in, they blurred out the dates on the the driver's license. So like, we don't know when it's set, which like fueled all this internet speculation that it takes place before Infinity War. Stop. Stop, dude. (laughs) It takes place after. Just stop. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh. Yeah, I I think it's gonna be fun. I'm so happy. Like they they told us that for Spider-Man: Homecoming a while ago, they said it's gonna have a major Marvel like MCU character, and it will not be Tony Stark. And I started seeing Foggy, and I was like, it's not gonna be Foggy or not Foggy. Foggy. I'm sorry, uh, Happy. Yeah, Happy. He played Foggy in Daredevil. Really? Yeah. John Favreau. Yeah. Yeah, and the the Ben Affleck <laughs> Daredevil, he played Foggy, Foggy, yeah, oh. Foggy Nelson. Yeah, he he has the one scene where like he's, have, he's like, pissed at Matt about something. He's like pissed at Matt for like hitting on a girl and like doing well or something. And so when like because Matt's blind, like he just takes this like ketchup bottle and like switches it with the creamer so that he'll put ketchup in his coffee. And then like, of course daredevil realizes that it happens and somehow gets the ketchup into foggy's coffee. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't remember any of that movie. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> it's not a great movie. Um, but yeah, so I, th- I thought Foggy was appropriately creepy. I didn't realize how creepy he was till Brent started going off about him, about how he wrote that scene to him, like goggling, like uh, or ogling uh, Scarlett Johansson. And it's like watching him with his Aunt May. It's like, oh yeah, dude, he's that's like creepy as written into this character for these <laughs> movies. Like it really is, <laughs> dude. How? How awesome must it be for John Favreau that he's just like he started the MCU with Iron Man and then like Iron Man 2 is a big hit and then he's just like gets to make these huge movies for Disney from time to time and like start the Star Wars thing but he gets to just like go back and like act for like huge Spider-Man movies for like 15 minutes yeah and just probably get a giant paycheck to do oh, it oh I'm sure it's a nice paycheck yeah, like that's that's got to be fucking awesome for John Favreau. <laughs> Let's see what else is in this trailer. Did we hit it all? We got to see a lo- like a very quick scene of like Mysterio with this fishbowl helmet, and without the fishbowl helmet. Yeah, a lot without the fishbowl helmet. But we yeah, there the was only like helmet. one quick clip with him with the helmet. Yeah, yeah, I think this is gonna be good. I'm 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 looking forward to it. It looks like it's going to be fun. I think. I we, mean, Tom Holland looked like he's Tom Holland. Like he's ready to play it. Yeah, he's killed Spider Man so far. There's no reason for a regression at this point. I feel like. Yeah. He's young enough where he's not going to get all tired of it, like Tobey Maguire, who was like probably 32 when he started Spider Man three. Oh god. Or Andrew Garfield, who was like 43 when he started <laughs> The Amazing Spider Man. <laughs> like he was. Uh, he was wearing Ted hose and the amazing Spider-Man too. It just, 
doesn't work for a college kid, I feel like. Wearing a girdle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking older than Tobey Maguire. I don't know that this is true, but I feel like it's true. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, I mean, I feel like we hit everything in that trailer, yeah. right? Did I miss something I'm, big? I mean, I'm totally looking forward to it. Like. Yeah, me too. It's a fun trailer. Yeah. It's a fun trailer for hopefully a fun movie. And we're going to get like Marvel movies like back to back to back. I think they're like a month or so apart, each one of them. Like so a month and a half or so. Hopefully apart. in the next, before we record the next episode, I'm trying to get to watch Glass. Oh, yeah. Because it dropped tonight. Yeah. Yeah, I am going. Yeah, maybe I'll. Maybe uh, me and Carl will get a chance to sneak off in Seattle, see a late night showing a glass or something. It'd be a wasted opportunity if I did not. Because <laughs> I definitely want to talk about that one. Samuel Jackson, a superhero movie. What could go wrong? I mean, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, a little bit more on the on the superhero front. So Adam McKay is promoting vice which i'm gonna try and see sometime soon i've been wanting to really see it but that's a tough one for me because it's a political movie my wife does not want to go see a political movie uh, i hear you on that. I, I i feel like like going to see a dick cheney movie tough sell for her i'm not sure that she even knows who dick cheney is <laughs> you know what i mean so it's a pretty fucking tough sell but um I want to go see Vice. But anyway, Adam McKay was promoting Vice. And somehow it came up that they were bringing up his work on Ant-Man. And they asked him if he'd ever want to do a Marvel superhero movie. And he started gushing about Silver Surfer, how we'd love to make a Silver Surfer movie. But then he was like, but, you know, it's a Fox property, so it's not going to happen. And then the, the person who's a reporter was like, well, you know... Actually, Disney's buying out Fox. And Adam McKay was like, I didn't even think about that. He's like, that'd be amazing. So he's like gushing about this on like this podcast for MTV. So then Kevin Feige, a couple days later, a couple weeks later, is on the red carpet for the Golden Globes. And they ask him about a Silver Surfer movie with Adam McKay. And he goes, well, you know, I actually heard him talking about it. And he would be a great guy to have run a Silver Surfer movie. We'd be really lucky to have him. He worked on Ant-Man. He's actually a Marvel fan. He snuck in a reference to Galactus in Vice. Like That's some, crazy. Yeah, there's some kind of Galactus reference. But he's like, he's a real fan and he's a great director. We'd be really lucky to have him. And then they did another interview with Adam McKay after that, like a couple days ago. I think it was like three days ago. And like apparently there's been talks now. So like Kevin Feige reached out to Adam McKay and they're talking about making a Silver Surfer movie. Nice. So we might fucking see a Silver Surfer movie like by Adam McKay. So if you're not familiar with Adam McKay, of course he's doing vices. We just talked about, he did the big short, which was like a really great movie, which like came on the back of like, Oh, Anchorman, Step Brothers, fucking like all these classic comedies. That dude knows how to make a movie. He knows how to do the comedy. He knows how to do like serious, uh, not serious, but like he knows how to do political movies with like kind of like a little bit of humor put into it yeah um 
Yeah, the, I, I think he could totally fucking do a Marvel movie and have it work. And you want somebody who's excited about Silver Surfer if you're going to do a Silver Surfer movie. Because it's not a character most people are familiar with. So you kind of want a fan who's like excited and a good filmmaker to jump into that. So if they're going to make a movie, it seems like it would be the the fucking obvious choice, right? I There's nobody else in front of him on this one. Yeah. Yeah, how many huge sur- Silver Surfer fans are there, you know? Like, I'm, get, I'm betting Silver Surfer has lost fans because of the Fantastic Four movie he was in. So, Yeah, yeah I would definitely agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah, it's not good, you know. But he was trying to warn everybody about the dangerous cloud that was going to come to Earth. <laughs> so. Ah, purple cloud. Yeah. Um... So another thing that they're making. So <clears throat> Kevin Hart can't get enough Kevin Hart these days, huh? And uh, Tim Story, who worked, they worked on Ride Along and Ride Along Two together. They're developing a Monopoly movie, like based off the board game. Yeah, because oh, you know good. how we were pining for that Monopoly movie. And a new Kevin Hart movie by the guy who made Ride Along and Ride yeah, Along Two. I was like, you know, Battleship was such a great movie. I want a Monopoly movie. Fire the guns. Which ones? All of them. <laughs> Fuck. Why? Why Monopoly, dude? I. Like, if there's a movie to be made about Monopoly, it would be... I, I feel like Adam McKay would be the only guy who could pull it off. Because that dude has a way of, like, doing political things and making them funny. I feel like Monopoly has to be, like, focused on, like, a, a tycoon who's fucking people out of money. You know what I mean? Like, like a tongue-in-cheek sort of thing. Yeah. But... Also, bad idea to make a movie off of Monopoly, just no matter who directs it. This sounds you know, I've, fucking I've, wretched. I've played like a lot of Monopoly in my day, and I've never once been like, you know what? This would be a great fucking movie. You know what would be a great movie off of a board game, though? Kerplunk. <laughs> oh, man. Can you, can you imagine the danger? Like, you're watching this log suddenly pull out, and you're, like, at the bottom of a can. You're like, oh. oh. Giant rocks falling down. Kerplunk. There's drama <laughs> built into it. There's no drama monopoly. <laughs> it's just a bunch of board flips and people, like, broken families in the wake of monopoly <laughs> games. <laughs> By the way, Monopoly is the number one board game played in this household. Like, we have played so much fucking Monopoly. Do you play the old school rules? Yes, because... Uh, Just because you don't want to, like, play it forever? Yeah, that's the thing. I, I probably said it on the podcast before. I'll say it again. What's a documentary on Monopoly? The guy's like, people talk about how Monopoly takes forever, and it's because they don't follow the actual rules that are written you know, in, in yeah. the thing. If you follow those rules, i.e. don't put money in free parking, that's that's the number one thing. The number one thing, and then... When somebody goes bankrupt, auction. make them go bankrupt. Yep, when somebody doesn't buy a property, it immediately goes up to auction to the highest bidder. Like, all of those things make the game go so much quicker. You can get a game 
in under two hours if you play with the actual rules. Like you're not going to go over two hours if you're playing the actual rules. But uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Monopoly is the number one game. Quickly catching up now is Catan. Like Settlers of Catan. That game is great. It's so much fun. I have a hard time getting into that game. It's great, and it's really good to play with kids because everybody has to work together. Like, no matter how much you're pissed at somebody, you have to work together with them because you have to trade resources to get stuff. You really can't do it on your own unless you're at the very end of the game. So, like, it's a good game for making kids sort of realize they have to work together a bit, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, to me, it's, like, it's worth it because of that. But also... The conversations that start coming up are insane sometimes, and I enjoy that. Like when people get really tired when you're on like your fifth game of Settlers of Catan, and people are just like, "Got sheep, want log? No log, want rock?" Like people just get <laughs> tired and they start talking very monosyllabically. It's great. Like, <laughs> really recommend Settlers of Catan. I, I have to get my nerd version. I know there's a Star Trek version of that game. I gotta buy that at some point because. You know, my seller is a Catan, not quite nerdy enough, <laughs> but Monopoly, don't fucking do it. Horrible idea. They're going to do it anyway. I hope it bombs horribly. It will. Yeah, it, of course it will, dude. It's based off a board game. <laughs> By the way, people were like starting to mention like, well, Clue was good. Clue bombed. You Big know, time. It became a cult classic. You know why it became a cult classic? Tim Curry. No before no no okay it was the very first and i mean the very first movie that was not a hundred dollars to buy the vhs cassette that was the first movie where they were like let's try and sell these for like 20 bucks and see what happens because like it had bombed and they're trying to make their money back somehow and it's did successfully enough where they were like so like a lot of people at vcrs bought clue you know, this movie that they had never seen. And then they were like, oh, it's pretty good. But it fucking bombed in the box office. It, it's a cold classic because people discovered it on VHS because it was cheap. And then gotcha. immediately after that, because that had worked on a more limited run, they're like, what about Batman? Like, Batman was really big in the theaters. What if we sold that on video cassette? And then once Batman sold on video cassette, there was no going back. They like dropped most of the prices to like 20 bucks. Yeah. And that that was a huge thing when we we're growing up. I don't think people realize that, but but yeah, I mean, you had you to rent movies before. Yeah, you had to rent movies. You couldn't really like for most of my childhood, we had one movie on VHS that was like an actual movie. Yeah, like <clears throat> it was, uh, and I had never actually watched it. The one <laughs> movie we had on VHS. And I never actually watched it. it was uh, Excalibur. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I never had any, like, reason to want to watch it. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> we, um, I'm trying to think, like, I, okay, so before, like, pre-Clue, okay? Like, before Clue, we did not own any movies per se, but... We did buy a lot of blank cassettes, and mom had HBO for 
periods I mean, of we time. Had so we stuff would, that we recorded off. Yeah, TV. we would like record sh- like HBO and shit, but we did not have anything that we bought until. I'm trying to think of what the first thing we bought was. I guess mom would know this better than me. I know we had Batman. Like, I don't think we had a clue. I remember renting Clue, but I don't think we had a clue. But I mean, like once Batman came out, we had so many cassettes after that. Like we bought a lot of them. I remember fucking buying the Indiana Jones trilogy. Like that from was McDonald's. the first, like, because my parents had Excalibur forever, and I think like the first movie that we bought on cassette, like after that, like that I can remember was the Indiana Jones yeah trilogy because they sold like. If you bought a value meal, they sold them for like. No, we had like the nice box set version. Oh, you had that. Okay. So I never had that until it came out on DVD. And then I bought the box set on DVD. But like we had the McDonald's VHS cassette tapes. (laughs) Yeah. That God, just, we like, just aged ourselves so bad. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, my my copy of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, I remember this very clearly, had a giant grease stain on the front of it. <laughs> I'm not even kidding on this. Because they fucking, they put it in the bag with the fries and shit. And then like, it fucking <laughs> soaked into the, the little cardboard box. So I remember very clearly seeing like Sean Connery covered with grease. <laughs> <laughs> like when I was with your yeah, mother last night. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dude, we're just taking our time going through this. <laughs> so we got one more. Uh, we watched the trailer for The Man Who Killed Hitler and then Bigfoot. The Bigfoot. Is it The Bigfoot? It's The Bigfoot. I just looked it up or like after we watch the trailer for that you're right and the and the bigfoot i wrote it down wrong so i've been having a hard time remembering exactly the title but the title sounds insane it sounds like a b movie this actually looks like a legit good movie and the synopsis tried to sell it that way but i was like it's fucking called the man who killed hitler and then the bigfoot so (laughs) what but it looks legit good like i'm gonna go to it if it comes down it looks interesting like I mean, I'm always down for Sam Elliott. Yeah. Yeah, it's got I'm I'm down for Ron Livingston. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen him in anything for a while. I mean we have, but you know, it's not office Ron space. Livingston. Right. <laughs> you right. said Sam Livingston. Oh, did I? Sorry. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so here's the synopsis of it. I've read it on the podcast once before, but it bears repeating. Sam Elliott stars as legendary World War II veteran who many years ago assassinated Adolf Hitler, an incredible secret that he's frustratingly unable to share with the world. One day, just as he's coming to terms with rounding out his life, Calvin gets a visit from the FBI and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. They need him to take out Bigfoot. This wonderful feature debut from writer-director Robert D. Krasowski features visual effects by celebrated two-time Academy Award winner Douglas Trumbull, who did 2001 Space Odyssey and Blade Runner. Looks fucking good, right? Yeah, like the I way mean, it's it looked great. Uh, who also co-produced alongside the great John Sayles, Eight Men Out, 
and Lucky McKee, the woman. A fantastical discourse on the melancholy of an old age and a singular blast of entertaining wit. The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot also stars Aidan Turner from the Hobbit trilogy, Caitlin Fitzgerald from Showtime's Masters of Sex, and Ron Livingston from Office Space. They say Ron Livingston for the end. You know, the guy from Office Space? <laughs> it should be his name. It's just like, you know, the main guy the from guy Office from Space. The guy from Office Space? <laughs> You have to be more specific because there's a lot of guys who could be the guy from Office He's Space. He's the right? guy from Office Space. So. Yeah. I mean, that's who I think of first. But yeah. But if I'm being fair, I know his name. I often forget Lumberg's name. But every time I Gary see... Gary Cole? Yeah, Gary Cole. But every time I see him, I'm like, it's fucking Lumberg, it's Lumberg. from <laughs> Office Space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love the season he was on Entourage. Maybe it was even two seasons. God, I can't even like remember. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was an agent that Ari brought back into the firm because it was like an old friend who used to be a hot shit agent, but he's lost his fastball. <laughs> I remember this very vividly. It was like around the, the end of the show. It's probably why I remember Six it. Six or so seven well. season. Yeah. Maybe both. Yeah. I, I don't even know how how long Entourage ran anymore. I'm pretty sure it was seven seasons. Okay. So it's probably started in the sixth and ended in the seventh then. That sounds about right. Um uh so going back to the man who killed Hitler and then the, the Bigfoot. Big <laughs> um there were two things that struck out to me first like it looked like an inter- like interesting movie like an interesting like character study yeah the second was like fuck sam elliot's too old to be doing all those action sequences and shit cuz yeah. like they show him like hanging off of fucking cliffs and shit like yeah and my wife was like it's like he has an age when she was watching i was like well he has, but he still looks incredible. And like, she was like, he I, hasn't, though. I was like, well, you didn't watch that movie that Brandon had me watch. <laughs> the Halloween before last, you had me watch that one Sam Elliott movie from the 70s. The Frogs? Yeah, The Frogs. Because <laughs> he looks really young in that. He's like, I've way never seen him that. so young. And I think that was his first movie, wasn't it? Yeah. Um. No, but like, after watching like... uh because I watched a few seasons of uh, The I Ranch. I thought you were going to say a few good men. Yeah. <laughs> a few seasons of The Ranch where he looks fucking old. Like, he acts old. Like Yeah, he's playing up his age. But uh, beyond that, like, the dude, like, even walks around like he's, like, a step away from death. Dude, the kids were watching um, the the episode of uh, Parks and Rec a little while ago. The, oh, the one that introduces him when like it's like he's the other Ron Swanson, and like it seems like Ron Swanson is really gonna like him at first when they find out all the stuff that they have in common. And then he starts talking about his yoga. And it's like, you got a lot of conflicted feelings in you. You need to just really reach out and massage it so that it feels better. And he's just like, Ron Swanson just gives him the most evil look. And from that point (laughs) on, he can't stand him. 
He's basically the liberal version of like <laughs> Nick Offerman's character. I fucking love that, dude. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah, Sam Elliott's the shit. And mustache in all its glory. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything I've seen with Sam Elliott without the mustache. The truth is, is the mustache's name is Sam Elliott and it wears that body. <laughs> like, that's the truth. Yeah. That it chose to recede into the body for Roadhouse because it called for it in the part. But Did, I, was he clean shaven? Not yeah. exactly. It's like a five o'clock shadow. That's why I said receded back. Like it didn't. It didn't disappear. It's not altogether gone. No, it's in. It's in remission. Right, because you have to make him look like a tired old guy. You know what I mean? Like he's got to have that five o'clock shadow look. Yeah, it's important to the character. <laughs> Because after all, he's the second best bouncer ever. In fact, Patrick Swayze's character would tell you he's the best bouncer ever. <laughs> but he does die pretty quick, right? I mean, most people do when they get stabbed in the back with a fucking Bowie knife. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's pretty fucked up, dude. You know what the appropriate response when somebody stabs you in the back with the Bowie knife? When somebody stabs your friend in the back with a Bowie knife? Take that Bowie knife and stab it through an accelerator and send that car into a mansion filled with armed guards. <laughs> That's the appropriate response. Is there any other response to that? No. <laughs> No, that's that's the correct and only response to that. <laughs> and if somebody blows up your if somebody blows up the guy who who rents you your house and like blows up something on their property, the appropriate response is to go after the thug, rip out his throat, scream at that at that mansion that the guy who hired him is from, and then float the body towards the mansion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's textbook 101 shit right there. Yeah, that's, that's what needs to happen. <laughs> God damn, I want to watch Roadhouse again. Hey, here's something we haven't plugged for a while. Uh, go to the archives montuckyskies.blogspot.com and somewhere way fucking back we did a commentary for Roadhouse it might have been seven and a half years ago it's been a grip it's been a long time I'm curious if it's any good I don't know the movie's great (laughs) I mean it's gotta be good I mean it's Roadhouse yeah yeah it's gotta be good (laughs) that's way going back because it was you, me, Greg, Greg, and Adrian. Mm-hmm. I on feel the like farm. I feel like there might have been a fifth person, but I can't remember who that would be. It wasn't Zach. It was pre-Zach for it sure. It was pre-Zach. Mm-hmm. I remember the cover for it. The cover art is a Nintendo game with for Roadhouse that never existed. <laughs> <laughs> like somebody mocked up Roadhouse as if it was an 8-bit Nintendo game and it looks exactly like an 8-bit Nintendo game for Roadhouse or cassette would look like. God, going back to cassettes again. It's not even a cassette. What do you call those? Cartridge? Cartridge, right? Cartridge, yeah. yeah. God damn, we're old, dude. These kids. These fucking kids today. They'll never know. They like download shit on the internet. You know what? Blow on it all you want. It's not going to play better. (laughs) (laughs) 
we fucking do fucking take your download and like tease it on the edge so that it doesn't fuck up you know you gotta get about halfway in you can't go all the way in because then you get that on off shit oh my trick the one that i found that almost always worked was you take you take it in and put it in just far enough just so that enough when you so push it, it down close. it like clicks on the edge but still closes. Yeah, if you can do that, it's almost always gonna play. God, yeah. what cheap pieces of shit, dude! <laughs> the shit we had to deal with. Remember when you first got the Nintendo and it worked great? You like pushing the cartridge, push it down, everything worked like it was supposed to. Yep. Then you probably like knocked the Nintendo over like seventy or. 90 times by like yanking on the cord while you're like playing and then it fucking made the Nintendo fall forward onto the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Those were the days, dude. Did you ever have the wireless controllers for the Nintendo? No. They were the fucking worst. You had to point them. We went through some shit earlier today. We're like, uh, so... The Roku remotes are great that come with it because it works through the wireless. So it doesn't have to be pointed at anything. It's just like picking up off the Wi-Fi and doing the shit. Yeah. But those are almost as expensive as buying a brand new Roku to replace because my kids destroyed one of the remotes. So I had to buy an infrared one. And you have to point it directly at the fucking thing or it doesn't work. Now imagine doing that with the video game controller, dude. And then your fucking kid hopped up on whatever. like (laughs) A six-pack of Jolt Cola. Yeah, sure. There you go. (laughs) I remember I had friends that would talk about like, yeah, I took a Jolt Cola and my hands were all shaky. And I was like, you're a pussy. Jolt Cola is nothing. It's like drinking two sodas. And my friends were like, you drank two sodas? I was like, yeah. It's the reason why I'm fat. I didn't have that presence of thought at the time. Just looking back, there's a reason why I was a fat child. <laughs> it's probably Joel Cola. Joel Cola. Yeah. We should I, probably fucking end this. This is a long ass podcast. Yeah. All right. So take it easy. Drink that Joel Cola, folks. Thank you for listening to the Not Safer Network. Check out one of our many other shows, Charles Orr Horror Show, Geek Lantern's Light, Movies with Wrestlers, Real Roulette, The Alien Movie Project, Montucky Skies, and We Had a Good Life.